and welcome to the strangest gig I've ever played, True Tales from the Studio and the Stage. I'm your host, Chris J. Norwood. This is part two of our conversation with the great Derek Webb. Derek had some great stories and insight, including one strange gig story that I was able to be a witness to. In part two of our conversation, we get into some more gig stories, including one that changed the entire course of Derek's career. It's fascinating stuff, and I don't want to waste any more of your time, so let's get to it. Here's Derek Webb. So let's get into the fun stuff now. Let's get into specifics. Tell me now about the strangest gig you've ever played. Okay, so do you want me to start? Because I've really thought about this. Do you want me to start with the strange? Because strange doesn't necessarily mean bad. Exactly. Strange can mean good. Yes. Do you I've had a do few you, strange gigs that are awesome gigs? Yes. You don't that, that just kind of blindside you and they're amazing or not what you expected. Absolutely. Um, I will say that uh, broad, really quick first anecdote, and then I'll I've got some specifics I can't yeah, wait. Yeah. But um, broadly, the ones and I think I've just kind of finished talking about this in a sense. But the ones where unexpected things happen are the best. Yeah, and and it's kind of everything that you guard against and hope won't, and you prepare. You, you, all your preparation is for nothing unexpected to happen. Yeah, and yet when something unexpected does happen, as little as a string break, and as big as the power going out, right? Those wind up being the they, they can wind up being the most special, memorable nights of a tour. Absolutely. And because when something unexpected happens, you have to get vulnerable or you have to riff or you have to step, you have to improvise. Yeah. And, and so you get off your rhythm and you get off of your little spiels you give between the songs and you kind of have to invite, you know, chaos a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And it's what I love about my pal, Dave Bazan, who goes by Pedro the Lion as well. Um, every night of his shows, almost every night, it, it, I've, last few times I've hung with him, he hasn't done this, but almost every time I've seen him, be it in a club with hundreds of people or in a living room situation, he will always several times during the night ask, he'll stop between songs and say, so are there any questions at this point in the night? Yeah. Any que- anybody have any questions? And it's, and I, I will do that too, but that's kind of Dave's shtick, but I love, because my music is more like that too. It's like something we're, we, we think about and you, yeah. you probably have an opinion about. And if you have a question about it, I would love to talk about. Um, sure. Not everybody has that. So, um, but you know, nights, I remember like nights with Cademans early in our, in our touring when the power would go out. Mm-hmm. And we would be in front of like a, you know, a, a, a bunch of college kids. They were, I say college kids and we were, we were college kids. We were all the yeah. same age at that time. And you wind up sitting on the front of the stage and playing the whole thing, bringing the lights up and playing. Everybody has to be deathly quiet and lean up forward and the rest of the show is acoustic and yeah. maybe the power comes back on and everybody's bummed, um, <laughs> you know, because it's so, and so like things like that are, you have to learn over time to be grateful for it. Even though in, in the minute, the moment it happens, you can't, your blood pressure, you can't keep oh, it yeah. from skyrocketing. Sure. But if you can lean into it, just go there, just let you get in the flow of it and let's go, man. Like, I don't know where, what's going to happen. Amazing, fun, memorable things can happen. For and sure. um, okay, so that said, um, I don't know why I would wish to start with a negative thing. I st- <laughs> I feel like I have. I, I don't want to uh, take your whole day, also, but I feel like I have maybe three stories. Let's hear them. Yeah. Can Can I tell all three? Tell. I'll tell try to keep we them can break short. This up. No, okay. we can break I'll, this up. I'll try to keep them as short as I can because they're all three uh, fun for different reasons. Um, so I'll tell you my two. Uh, strange in a bad way ones. And then I'll yeah. tra- I'll tell you my one strange in a good way one. There you go. So strange in a bad way. Um, I'll start with the oldest one and I'll come forward. So the oldest one would have been with Cademans. 
And so Cademans, this would have been probably in, so we got started in like 1993. This would have been 95, 96 maybe. And so we were touring. We were starting to make our way out of Texas. We were still an indie band, but we were touring pretty extensively at that time. We did did well for an indie band in the 90s. It was pre-internet. So there was literally no internet yet. So, um, you know, we worked hard at it and we had a lot of advantages and um, a lot of things fell our way during those years. So... We had met, uh, we had gotten hooked up to play a bunch of these Christian music festivals. And Christian mm-hmm. music festivals, if you've not been to one, are are insane because yeah. it is the only category of music that has nothing to do with style. Yeah. It's the only one that I can think yeah. of. It's, it's based on the beliefs of, uh, supposedly, of the people who are making the music, but has nothing right. to do with style. So you can wind up at a festival where there will be a five-piece boy band singing to tracks before... <laughs> A, an acoustic folk rock band before a male contemporary singer before a screamo band before a right. ska band before yeah. somebody well, singing especially kids in the songs. 90s especially in the especially 90s especially in the 90s <laughs> and so it's such a melting pot so we would play these christian music festivals and meet all these great bands we'd all get to be friends and and everybody had their region uh, we were kind of texas and and uh and generally kind of the south you know kind of region and we met all these great bands. And so we would go, we would connect with them. And then we'd be like, all right, when you guys come to Texas, um, come and let's do some, let's do some shows. Like let's, let's let, let us help you find some new fans here. Um, you'll open for us and then we'll come to your kind of region and, and, yeah. and let us open for you. And th- that's how we'll kind of rise the tide under all the indie music. And so we did a bunch of that. And so there's this one particular band, um, the, uh, the OC Supertones. Now ah, yes, the Supertones, the Supertones were a California band, fantastic band. Yes. Uh, they were like a, like a ska band, you know, yeah. and uh, like a punk ska band. Amazing horn section, um, electric guitars. They were, but just, just a rad band, just a yeah. super quality band, you know, and, um, and super good guys and just crazy. So we played all these festivals and we met them. They were great. They were like, dude, you know, come out to California and play some shows with us, man. It'd be so much fun. You guys do great in California. And we're like, you know, we'll come down to Texas. And so we were doing that some. And so this was our first time ever to go to California. First time, little Texas folk band going to California. Went to the West Coast. um, And were you on a van at that point? We we would have been in a van. Yeah. Um, So we, we, we made our way over there. And we got, I, I just, I just realized that my two negative stories are both in California and I love California, <laughs> um, but I just realized that they both are, um, very different stories, but, um, sure. so we got out there and I, and I'm pretty sure it was our first night with them. We had three shows with them and I'm pretty sure the first night was, I'm not going to remember the town. I'm not going to try as a waste of time, but anyway, so we, it was at some, it was at a church, but yeah. the churches are different on the West coast. They're, sure. they, they were way more progressive and, you know, yeah. a lot more Pentecostal churches and really fun, crazy things going on out there. And you know, so, had y'all experienced any of that? Cause y'all were from uh, Texas. From Texas. Which, we toured around though. And we, we, we kind of been in that space a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But it was like the majority of spaces out there seemed like churches that are, that are really happening in, on the West coast were like real churches. They weren't like you know, um, show up and kind of, you know, clock in, clock out and kind of get your, I mean, in the South, it's like, it's all pageantry, but on the West coast, if you're going, you're, you're kind of serious about it. And so anyways, so, so, uh, the, the supertones guys are like, awesome, be great. This real big church. And we're like, all right, great. So we, you know, they were super cool. And we got there and room was great. And so we're waiting to go out and 
um, it, and it sounded like a huge crowd out there and we were like really excited. And, um, so, you know, we kind of, we're kind of peeking through though to kind of see who's out there and, and we can't really tell, but it looks like to us now we didn't play youth kind of music. Our music was not for kind of younger people, like high school people at all. Yeah. The Supertones did like a lot of their music was, I mean, it was rad music. Anybody could listen to it, but a lot of it was like kind of younger kids. It was like kind of junior high and high school kids. We played music for people our age always. And so our crowd got older as we did. Yeah. But the Supertones, and that was cool though. I mean, we just, and so we looked out there and it was a lot, it seemed like a younger crowd than usual for us. And a lot of them were wearing like button up white dress shirts with the sleeves ripped off and, and ties and things like that. Like the classic (laughs) punk ska kids, you know know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And so they were all, it was like a sea of these, (laughs) I mean, honestly, these rad looking, you know, ska kids. Now that I have a 13, 15 year old, I'm like, these these kids were amazing. But, um, anyways, not our normal crowd though. So we were like, that's okay. It's gonna be great, dude. And so, um, one of the guys, uh, from Superdance came out, introduced us. He was like, it's gonna be fine. I'm gonna tell him to listen to you guys. I know yeah. you guys are more of like a sit down band. It's gonna be great. Don't worry about it. He goes out, Hey, these are our great friends from Texas. You guys welcome Cadence Call. So we came out, started playing literally by the middle, the, the, uh, something started to happen by the middle of our first song. Yeah. Something started to happen. Let me tell you what it is. And it, and it continued without stopping whether we were playing a song whether we were talking between a song all the way till the end of our last song from the beginning from the middle of our first song it, it started quiet and then it got louder and louder and louder and here's what it is um there were kids like mashed up against the front they and the stage was probably chest high on them so they were kind of yeah. from their chest up and so they're they, a lot of them like were leaning with yeah, their the arms stage. up on the stage so all at once we started to hear it and we thought maybe they were excited till we realized until it got so loud. And then it, it stayed so loud for 45 straight minutes. <laughs> and, here, and, here, and here's what we heard for 45 minutes. This is what we heard. We heard, get off the stage. Oh no. <laughs> get off the stage. Get off the stage. And they were chanting, wow. clapping, smacking the stage in rhythm, literally first quiet. Yeah. By the third song, it was so loud. You couldn't yeah. even hear us, really. Oh, man. And it got so – it was such a crescendo. And what's crazy is they didn't even stop in between songs. They and just and kept we'd, going. Be like, we'd be like, so this next song is about this. <laughs> and they would, get off the stage. I mean, like – and Just the stamina for that for 45 minutes is it's incredible. Impressive. Well, you know, hey, junior high, high school kids, yeah. you know, they, they got energy for days. There was, as I recall, one petrified college-age – girl and guy couple in the middle oh, no. seated that we we could find and they like were looking they looked terrified because they were just surrounded out there and on, we honey, did meet we'll them see after this new band Cadman's call they're fantastic that's right, <laughs> that's right. and everybody at their college loved us they were loans who made the road yeah. trip they were the only college kids in the building and so that oh my that gosh. was that was rough that was a rough that was a rough night so y'all are looking around at each other going oh god when is this over When's it going to be over? <laughs> and we thought, you know, and then, I mean, of course, the Supertones guys, I mean, they just, they were mortified. You know? Oh, they yeah. Just, but these kids, like, they come there to jump and 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 mosh and dance they do and go crazy, thing. dude. Yeah. yeah. And, like, we're like a folk band, you know, like, we're... Story one. Story yeah. two, um, also in California, this was my first solo run in California. So I left Cadmus. Okay. This would have been 2001 maybe. And so I had just left the band. Um, and you know, and by the time I left the band, we were playing consistently 
you know, 2,500, 3,000 a night. I mean, you know, like we, we really yeah. worked hard over a decade to build up that touring. And um, so this is my first kind of solo run, which I was happy to be doing. I was kind of out on my own. So that was okay. Yeah. Again, driven all the way back. I mean, we'd been in buses for half a decade, back in right. vans, out to California on my own. And to be honest, the, this first California run as a solo artist, it wasn't bad. It was some, some yeah. college gigs. Some of them were pretty okay. Uh-huh. I, I had all the new songs. She Must Shall Go Free was the record. It hadn't yeah. yet come out, but it was about to come out. Mostly they were going okay. So the last show, um, I had my advance info from the booking, and they were like, you know, here's where it is. And it's at this, uh, this like science – it was like a science museum. Okay. Um, and, but, but it was, I, I was thinking it's like probably like in a ballroom or somebody rented right, a space. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Sure. It's in a science museum. So we pull, I pull up to it. I was like, okay. It, it, and this is also, this is the last show that I'm playing before, uh, the long drive home. Yeah. This is the last one. So it's, this is what's between me and heading home and home. Yeah. And so, but I'm like, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be fine. So, uh, so I, I get my stuff and I'm, I'm heading in and I kind of go to the front like desk of the museum or whatever. It's like a public museum and like on the camp, on maybe on a college campus. I was like, hi, so uh, my name is Derek. I'm here. I'm, I'm playing a, a concert somewhere in here. And can you help direct <laughs> me like where I'm going? Like, hold on. And they called somebody, somebody came down. Oh, great, great. That I was like, okay, great, th- great. So yeah, great to meet you. Come, come on. I'll show you. I was like, oh, fantastic. I have my guitar, my stuff. And we're going, and we're kind of going through these different rooms. And it's one of these museums where mu- museum isn't the right word I'm looking for. It's like a, um, but it's basically like there's like big rooms that have like exhibits, and you kind yeah. of room to room. So it is like a okay. museum, like yeah, what yeah, you yeah. think of as like an art museum or science sure, museum yeah, yeah. or a history museum. And we're going through these big rooms; they're all connected. And we come into this one big room, and I'm like, oh. Okay, it's like this is it's a little weird in here, but okay. And so we kind of go in there, like you know, just kind of wherever you want, maybe like what about right over here? Uh, okay. And so they showed me, and it was right in front of basically these these two or three big tables that look like uh, experimentation like tables. They had like sinks yeah. and and Bunsen, Bunsen burners. Is that what yeah, those yeah, things yeah, are yeah. called? And they had like you know like like emergency wash things next to them. It was like <laughs> like something you'd find in like a high school yeah, biology like a science, science like a science lab. Yeah. So they were like, so like, if you want, you could set up like maybe right in front of these tables maybe. And I was like, okay. And I was like, so, and which way am I like, am I just kind of like, like what's, what's kind of the situation? Like, what are we aiming? Like, what am I? Cause there was like, you know, there's like a PA and like somebody who worked in the place, like the AV guy was there to kind of set up like some little speakers on sticks or whatever. And I I could see those were kind of aimed a certain way. I was like, okay, like, I think I get it. And I was like, so I was like, okay, so it says for me to start, like, there's nobody remotely anywhere in this building or whatever like what i'm supposed to start in about 20 and i don't really get what's like are people going to come in and like sit sit in here or like what am i and they're like oh um no they'll be uh they'll be kind of moving through uh they were kind they were busy at this point they'll be moving through it's like uh you you just start start at the time and everything's gonna be great thanks so much for being here and they were gone i was by my i was like okay okay (laughs) i didn't really know what to do and so i didn't get what it was and it got to be time and and I was like, well, I, I guess, I mean, I guess I should start. There's not really, I don't know what I'm doing. And so yeah. I started to play and my music is very, uh, you know, it's like, I, I don't, it's not back. It's not meant to be background right. music. I, it's, yes. it's like music you have to listen to whatever. I mean, right. I'm not, you don't have to listen to it. You know what I mean though? It's like no, meant to be yeah. thought about or whatever. Um, so, so I started playing and then 
this crazy thing happened. Out of the other doorway across the way, this line of college kids in formals, in pairs, like guys and girls in formals, yeah. in pairs, came through. And oh. they, they came into the room, but they were in a line. And their okay. line kind of went around this thing. And then it went right in front of me. And then it went down over through this other door that was over to my left, out into the next big room. Yeah. And it just, and I was, and it was moving very slowly. And I was like, once it came through and then all of a sudden it kind of stopped and yeah. it was kind of moving very slowly. And so it, it, if you can imagine this, I'm standing there playing and about three feet in front of me, <laughs> there's a line of kids in formals, but with their, with their left sides to me. So yeah. they're facing, they're looking that way. Straight ahead. I'm looking at them. <laughs> they are facing sideways to me. Right. Trying to go that way and not looking at me at all. Yeah. And I'm like, don't know Couldn't if this care is less like that a, you were there. No. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if this is a thing that's is part of what I'm doing, or does this have to finish? Yeah. And where's my where are my people? And I'm playing. And then I'll get to the end of a song and they're standing in front of me with their with their shoulders facing me and pretending that I'm not trying to pretend yeah. I'm not there. So nobody's clapping. No, they're trying to they're trying to talk to each other <laughs> yeah. over my speakers. They're trying yeah. to like have conversations. And nobody claps, and <laughs> and and I just kind of keep doing it because I don't know what else to yeah. do. And slowly, over the course of like ninety minutes, wow, this line just slowly continues to kind of move in front of me, and it's just people moving in front of yeah. me slowly, trying to talk to each other, trying not to look right. at me, because and I don't know what to do. I'm trying to look not to look at them at this point. I'm just kind of playing, yeah. looking over there, just singing my song about bearing my soul <laughs> or whatever, and my existential spirituality or whatever. Right. I'm looking over there. And they're kind of moving through. And then finally, the end of the line, I see an end to it. And then it kind of goes, and then I'm alone again, and I'm still playing. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, I still don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of finish a song and I'm kind of standing there. I'm like, and then, <laughs> and then like I kind of look out and I see that lady, and she kind of looks at me like, oh, right. Oh. She comes in. She was like, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. And I was like, oh. I was like, can you explain to me <laughs> what has happened? What she did was I like, just play for? She was like, oh, well, this is, this is the, 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 college, uh, the big college graduation formal dinner, and it's two rooms from here. And so in each room, we had some kind of entertainment for them to keep them entertained while they're in the long, slow line, like if you're in a Disney line and <laughs> yeah. they're trying to keep you entertained yeah. while, until you get to the thing. And so I was just the thing in that yeah. room providing entertainment while they walked past me to go sit down and have their dinner wow. or whatever. So did you ever find out who was in the other rooms? No. Or just some other random? I don't know what. There could have been There could have been a freaking puppet show or a ventriloquist right. or something in the other room or a magician. I have no idea. I just know that in my room where the Bunsen burners were, I was in there singing songs of, you know, about yeah. my life or whatever while kids and formals stood sideways in front of me for 90 minutes for 90 minutes and and, and oh, what's amazing man. is it just it, it, the the punchline of it was that i just didn't even know what was happening or if, or if what was happening was supposed to be happening until it was done. They and then she was like there. fantastic thank you and i was great. like did i do good did i that what happened yeah. i don't even know how to measure this <laughs> anyway so it was oh, absolutely man, the most brutal. demoralizing amazing oh, thing yeah. Well, because it's, it's, it's hard enough being background music. Like that's demoralizing mm -hmm. enough as it is. But to go into a gig not knowing that you're going to be background yeah. music is the yeah. worst. And have no one ever face you. Yeah. And just a line of people slowly, awkwardly ignore you as they walk in front of you for yeah, an hour and a half. Anyway. Oh, okay. That's story two.
Um, these stories keep me humble. Now, very briefly, the third story is is was a, is a story that changed my it changed my career, and it was basically uh, the story of um, also. Oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. I can't believe it just happened. Also in California, yeah, um, oh, wow. <laughs> in L- in LA. So Something it's redeeming. It's a break even. Yeah, um, in LA. Um, this was some years later I had put, let's see the record, uh, it would have been Mockingbird. I, so it was right after I had put that record out, but it was just before we saw each other probably in Dallas Yeah, and, and, uh, I was playing in LA and I, I had put that Mockingbird record out and it was about six months after it had come out and the sales, it kind of sold what it was going to sell and the sales kind of, kind of hit a trickle. And that's what happens. You know, the yeah. marketing dollars are spent. So whoever's going to buy it, bought it. And the label was talking to me about, hey, let's start talking about it, the next record. Yeah. Something about that Mockingbird record, I was had some ambition. I thought, man, I don't think everybody's heard this record that I think would 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 like it and would resonate with it. And I want to keep promoting this record. And the label said to me, I think rhetorically, well, you know, if you can't, if we if you can't come up with a way for us to promote it that won't cost us any more money. We have to move on to the next record, unlock a new budget, next record. Yeah. You know, that's we this one this one has sold what it's gonna sell, done what it's gonna do. Right. And I was like, well, all right, well, let me think about your question. And I went away and I thought about it and I came back and I said, okay, here's my idea. Now this was in 2006. So this was right. before before free music was a thing. Okay. Nobody had experimented. Nobody So you know, the, this was before Prince, Radio Radiohead did in, in Prince, Radiohead. Okay. Uh, all that. N- uh nobody had given music away for free. That wasn't yeah. a thing yet. Yeah, there was no model. It was a crazy idea at the time, but I thought, what would you let me give away the record for free online? But for everybody who takes it, they will give me their email and their zip code, so that I'll be so I'll be so I've got a tunnel dug under to, straight directly to them. I can directly communicate with them, and I know where they live, so I know so I can when I'm going to come close by, I can email them and I can yeah. let them know I'm coming to their town. And would you let me do that? I went and asked the label if they would let me. And we kind of went around and around about it. But eventually I was like, listen, people who have not already heard it, all the money, all the marketing money we had, we spent, if that did not find the people we're now talking about, yeah, um, then it's all found opportunity. People who download it for free and don't like it and delete it or whatever, they never would have bought it. We never would have gotten their money. So there's a zero yeah. cost there, zero loss for us there. But the people who didn't find it yet, even yeah. though we spent all that marketing money, who download it and love it, that is found opportunity. Yeah. And the, and there I've got older records, I've got tours, I've got records in the future. I think there's a lot of ways that we could make money. I yeah. think we're going to make out to the positive if we try this. And I finally talked him into it. So, uh, I gave that record away for about 4 months online yeah. and you put your email and your zip code in, you get the record. And again, that was a crazy thing to I do at the time. That. In fact, I think I have that record as an mp3 yeah. on an old laptop somewhere <laughs> yeah i love we launched this thing called free derek web that was the that yeah. was the website where we did it if you went to freederekweb.com, you could put in your email and get my newest record and it was just that it was so nuts at that time now nowadays of course it's not but at, at the time people did it just because they were like what are you gonna give me the record for what right and so so we did that and and what's crazy is at that time um in those months so many people did. We we had eighty five thousand people download that wow. record and give us their emails and zip codes in those three months, and that was a that's a crap ton of yeah, people. I didn't have lot. but a few a few thousand people on my email list before that. All right. of a sudden, I've got like ninety thousand people on an email yeah. list. And so here, so finally, here's to the gig. 
So the label, we're all looking at this chunk of new data that we've got. And we're like, we don't know if we just lost a bunch of money or if we just made yeah. a bunch of money. We, we didn't do anything There's yet, no but we don't know. know if, the, is there a business model here? So we took, we did, we did the only thing we could. We said, well, let's take it out for a spin. So we filtered it by zip code and we determined where in all, if all over the country, everybody who did this, where is the greatest concentration of people who downloaded this record? And so we filtered it by zip code. And what we realized was LA and New York were two of, were two, were, were in yeah. the top five most downloads. And I, as a, as a, as a solo artist, I'd never played shows in either of those cities. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I'm like a middle class, sure, you know, yeah. I mean, I, that's not my competitive market. It's hard to make money, hard to get promoted. Yeah. And yet here's this information. And it was, I, as I recall, within 50 miles of downtown LA, there were 2,200 people who had downloaded it. Yeah. So that was, that was the 50 mile radius of LA. And so I was like, all right, let's try this. Let me, here's what I'm going to do. Let's book a show in LA. I'll take any, any gig for any pay, any night, any venue. I'll take anything. I've got to just do an experiment. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm only going to promote it to these people. Yeah. And so I'm going to send them. So they got me a gig and it was at the knitting factory on Hollywood Boulevard. Really cool venue. Yeah. Um, their big room holds thousands, world-class venue. Their middle room holds three or 400, but it's great room. Yeah. And then most people don't even know about downstairs. They have this overflow bar that does have a PA and a stage, but nobody books that room, but it's like holds a hundred, but it's like yeah. the downstairs bar. So my, my booking agent got me. The downstairs bar, yeah, on a Wednesday night, it's terrible <laughs> for a zero guarantee. Wow! But for ninety percent of the door, okay. And so I make so if if nobody shows up, I lost all the money it took me to get there. Yeah, but if people come, then I'll make I'll make a little money. Yeah, but it's a gamble's all on me. Yeah. So I was like, perfect, I'll take it. So I we booked it two weeks before that show. I, uh, uh, the, 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 those 2,200 people within 50 miles who had just downloaded that record of that venue, I email them and I say, Oh my God, you're the best. Thank you so much for downloading this record. I so appreciate it. I am playing a show in your town. Please come out in two weeks. Tickets at the door only. Yeah. 10 bucks. Come out. Hope you come. Uh, two days before the show, one more email. Hey, just a reminder. Really hope you come out. I'm coming to come into LA. Yeah. You know, I hope you love the record, whatever. No so pre-sales. You, you didn't do any pre-sales? They wouldn't let us because it was like oh, a okay. cash at the door downstairs yeah. bar gig. I mean, they were wow. like, they're going to, they're not going to run a presale for me. Right. Know who I was. And so that's what we did. So I went and did my sound check, walked down the street with my buddy who lives there. We got dinner. We're walking back down to Highwood uh, Boulevard to the knitting factory. And as I said, these other rooms there are huge and really world-class, yeah. amazing, amazing artists play there. So we're walking back to the knitting factory. And as we get there, there's, we see this line and there's a line down the street to the knitting factory. And we're, as we're walking up, we're kind of starting to see it. We're like, dude, I wonder who's playing in the big room tonight. Like maybe yeah. once I'm done, we could sneak in and see who that is. <laughs> so we get up to the venue. And, and as I get up there, people start to like make noise and they start to clap and they start to, and I'm looking at my buddy wow. and, and it dawns on me, holy shit, they're all here yeah. to see me. Oh, wow. And, 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 the, and it was the craziest. It changed my whole career that night yeah. because what happened was I was like, oh my God, hold on everybody. Like, Okay, we're, we're gonna. I'm, I'm here. We're gonna. So they they sold the room out at a hundred, uh. and they turned away two hundred. Wow. They turned away twice the capacity of the room that night. Yeah. And so once it was sold out, packed in before I started, I was like, "Hang on, everybody, I'll be right back." Went back outside to the two hundred people that didn't get in. I was like, "Yeah, everybody, wait here. If yeah. you can stay, everybody stay, and yeah. I, I'll I'll be back." but I want to meet you. I'll, I'll come back and I'll play for you. But yeah. Please don't go anywhere. I went inside 
played a show for the hundred people who crammed in and got in. It was amazing. Knitting factory was like, who the hell are you? Are you famous? And I was like, no, no, I'm not. (laughs) And that's what, that's what makes this like kind of remarkable. Yeah. That, that night they booked me to come back six months later to the next bigger room for a guarantee, which I did and sold that out six months later. Wow. Um, I went out on the sidewalk and played a second show on the street for 200 people. Yeah. And it was like, and all of a sudden I was like, I can make more money giving music away than I can make selling music. That was the day that it dawned on me, changed my career. And then on scale, you're like, I can go to any different city in the United States and use this, the email and zip codes. And I can, I can actually go where my fans are and I can directly connect with them. Two years later, I launched a company called Noise Trade, um, which was a platform that facilitated artists giving music away for free, uh, but for zip codes and emails and ran that company for 10 years. We gave away 10 million records and helped launch careers for artists, but it's like, that was probably the most significant gig of my career. Wow. And I'll, and I'll never forget it like ever. I'll never forget that whole day. And Just that amazing. moment walking around the corner and realizing, oh, seeing so that these line people are here for me, for me, I never could That's have, I, I, and it was just, it, and then on the plane ride home, my mind just spinning yeah. like, oh my God, That's you know, beautiful. I think something just changed. It was amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. Tell me now, um, now that we've heard those, tell me now about your dream gig. And that can be like yes. venue, that can be bill, that can, you know, lineup, whatever, yeah. it, whatever that means yeah. to you. I mean, this or is going to be I the, mean, have you already yep. played it? Yep. Yep. Well, so honestly, so I've been, as I mentioned, here's my bookend. I've been in this job for, uh, we started Cademan's in 1992. We are doing this interview in 2022. So I've been in this job for 30 years. It's been yeah. my job. And most people don't know who I am. And so the fact that I, and, and that's the best way, I mean, a blue collar, you know, living at it yeah. is the, that's the, the most sustainable way in my opinion. So I'm so grateful to still be in the job. I'm so grateful for my work. I'm so grateful that I can still do it. That honestly, honestly, and I, it sounds cheesy, but like my dream gig is my next gig. Like yeah. I love playing in people's houses. I love going in and getting to have this once in a lifetime experience with somebody in a house and play to 30 people, 40, 50 people, and just right there and like meet all those people. Yeah. And there being no pretense about like who we are to each other. Like I could not do this without you. Like we are fundamentally the same, you know, yeah. and, and there's something so magic about it. I love doing it so much. Like I, every time I leave town to go play one of these shows and it would have to be something that amazing to, to get me away from my wife, uh, you know, sure. to get me away from like, you know, leaving my yeah. and um, kids. A yeah, thing absolutely. that I know that I love, yeah. but it's like, I just, I look forward to every time I do it because it's like, just cause I'm so grateful to be doing it. And I, and, I, and after all this time, I've really kind of figured myself out and I've, it is the perfect way to do it for me. Yeah. And so I so deeply love it that I can't think because I, mean, I, I was thinking about this before, like what would be my dream gig? And I just, it's like nothing really compares with what right. I get to do every other weekend. I love it so much. Now that said, Cademan's uh, in next April, we're doing two shows at the Ryman Auditorium here in Nashville. The first night's uh, sold out. It sold out like in 24 hours. So we put a second night on sale, but, and I've played at the Ryman many times. Yeah. but never headlining. I've never mm-hmm. been the main act at the Ryman, but I've right. played there for about dozens of times. I have a weird feeling that being back with some of my dearest friends in the world 
doing two nights at a venue where I've seen all of my most legendary favorite bands of all time. Yeah. I've seen Bob Dylan there multiple times. I've yeah. seen Elvis Costello and Arcade Fire and Sufjan Stevens. And like, you know, I, I've just seen all my favorite yeah. to be able to do a, to headline a show in that venue. I that's think it's going to rank right up there. Yeah, that's and, and it, you know, we're not really doing other shows. And so I think that I, I, I hope I'm able to be present, really take that in, but that's I'm very great. much looking forward to that too. So man, Derek, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for coming on the podcast. As I said, I'm a, I've been a big fan of yours for a long, long time. And, and, uh, this was a real treat for me. So thank uh, you. Oh, so it's much. such a pleasure. I just love yeah. this pod. I, I, I cannot wait to go and like li- literally listen to every episode of this oh, podcast. Good. Yes, please do. And, please and, tell, and, please tell and everyone and... into the future, because I love <laughs> the premise of it. It's the best. Thank and, you. uh, thank yeah. So please let me know because I want to, I want to, uh, you know, shout, shout from the rooftops and make sure that everybody uh, knows about this amazing. Because uh, boy, bet. I mean, I'm I love it. So thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. There he goes, man. What a cool dude. I uh, really appreciate Derek coming on the podcast. What a great conversation. Fascinating guy. I could talk to him for hours. Uh, again, big thanks to Aaron Anderson with Olivia Management. It's Derek's manager for setting it up. Y'all, please be sure to check out Derek's stuff. DerekWeb.com. His new album, The Jesus Hypothesis, will be out. The new Cadence Call self-titled re-record is out in November. It will be fantastic. And uh, they have a show coming to Dallas. If you're in the Dallas area, that you should definitely come to. If you're in the Nashville area, go see him at the Ryman. Again, my name is Chris J. Norwood. Please follow The Strangest Gig podcast on Instagram, at The Strangest Gig, all one word. We'll see you next time. You'll have a really great holiday season. And remember... Some gigs are terrible, some gigs are strange, some gigs are amazing and change the course of your entire career. No matter what, a gig's a gig, right?